This episode was recorded a few days before the U.S. Treasury Department proposed sweeping new rules that looks to extend anti-money laundering regulations to include transactions from VASP to non-custodial wallets. We hope to touch more on that regulation specifically in an upcoming show. This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero safely on your iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys and seed. And by XMR.to. Anonymously exchange your Monero into Bitcoin and seamlessly send Monero to any Bitcoin address. Go to XMR.to or use it right in your Cake Wallet. Cake Wallet and XMR.to are trusted and verified by the Monero community. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman interviews Justin Ehrenhofer and Robbie Dermody on the launch of Comply First, an initiative that focuses on providing compliance guidance and resources around privacy-preserving cryptocurrencies. Douglas, Justin, and Robbie discuss how Comply First is an open-source movement that is set to be a resource for people that want to comply with regulations by giving them the tools that they need to navigate in this area for all cryptocurrencies, not just Monero. They aim to accurately reflect a good intersection between regulators and policing in the United States, as well as exchanges and services by teaching them how to best support these privacy-preserving cryptocurrencies instead of ignoring them. They also chat about what the vision of the company is, if there is a difference between regulating privacy coins versus transparent ones, and what the hesitation is for most exchanges to add Monero when the lack of privacy has become a relevant and important factor in Bitcoin. Monero Talk starts now. All right, Justin, Robbie, thanks for coming on. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm getting back in the swing of things here over at Monero Talk. I was I was absent a little bit with the uh, with the run for Congress. It's nice to be back. Um, and it seems like uh, you know s- since I've been gone, or you know when I was paying a little bit less attention there, uh, it seems like regulation was really what was at the fore, what has become at the forefront of the community here. Um, talk about. Uh, you know, privacy coins in general and regulation and what exchanges are doing and whether or not, uh, you know, exchanges can even, you know, uh, safely or, um, uh, you know, add privacy coins to, uh, you know, add privacy coins. Um, and I know uh, Perkins, was it Perkins Coey was the one that that did the the white Perkins Cooey, yeah, they did Perkins the white. Perkins Cooey uh, recently put out a white paper, uh, basically uh, going into detail as to whether or not exchanges uh, should feel uh, like there is a means to to working with privacy coins, and that seemed like very good news. Uh, and you guys recently, I believe it's you guys, or I don't know, you could tell me, started comply first. And my understanding is that that association is there to, uh, once again, assist with things like exchanges and other people working in, in the industry in uh, basically navigating uh, the current regulation scene. So allowing privacy coins to be uh, added to things like exchanges. Um, so 
I wanted to talk about Comply First today. And I guess so my first question would be is, what is Comply First? And who is, who's, who's behind it and who's involved? Justin, do you want to take the... the sure. Um, so first, Doug, my, the biggest change since you've been gone is I have glasses now. Okay. So that's, <laughs> you missed that one. Um, however, beyond that, uh, you know, uncomplied for all those regulations, all that, all, the, all yeah, that small yeah. text. <laughs> Indeed. Um, no, the, the biggest, the biggest change, or sorry, uh, beyond my eyeglasses, I'm still stuck on that. Um, Comply First uh, was created as a, you know, an industry initiative. It is certainly not exclusive to Monero. Um, you know, it, it represents the views of, of many people in the Monero community, but it absolutely is not solely a Monero initiative. Um, it came about because we noticed that a lot of exchanges were being very hesitant with regards to privacy preserving cryptocurrencies, they were more likely to say, okay, well, these are higher risk. And in order to signal to their banking partners or to regulators that they were you know, taking compliance seriously, which is understandable from their perspective, they were not putting in a substantial amount of effort into learning about these technologies. Um, however, that's not really an option for them anymore because people are increasingly using privacy preserving tools on things like Bitcoin, right? More and more people are using decentralized mixers like Samurai or Wasabi wallets on, on Bitcoin. So these people, like the exchanges can't really ignore the problems anymore. So, you know, uh, the Perkins Coie paper, white paper was one part of the regulatory efforts. Uh, you know, Perkins Coie put out a white paper based off, you know, interest in privacy preserving cryptocurrencies stating that in their opinion it was able to it was possible to design a compliance program to support privacy preserving cryptocurrencies and although that received a lot of positive feedback uh, we nevertheless got a lot of feedback from people saying you know this is very much like a, a high level white paper and even though it says you know things are possible to be implemented we still don't have a very obvious method to actually implement uh, you know the, these policies and procedures for many cryptocurrencies and exchanges still to this point are hesitant to take that first step so comply first is just an initiative of you know several different cryptocurrency exchanges otc desks wallet providers um again certainly not monero exclusive and we we came to the table and discussed you know what are the reasonable paths forward and then instead of one institution coming out and putting out what they believe is a reasonable compliance tool instead it's it's a you know industry effort and so we put out actual compliance resources that people can use specifically for Monero and other cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, uh, in order to better prepare the exchanges for handling privacy enhanced situations on Bitcoin and handling privacy preserving cases on every other coin where it's relevant. And so uh, we hope that like this really took it to the next step where instead of just talking about how, oh, it is possible, like, oh, it's something we can do. You you can do this, but we aren't them. So what we did is, okay, well, we talked to exchanges, saw what people wanted to do, and then came together that ver something that, you know, in our opinion, and based off the feedback we've received, um, we are very confident um, in saying that it very uh, accurately reflects a good intersection between regulators and at least in the United States and also, uh, you know, exchanges and other services 
to best support these cryptocurrencies rather than just saying, well, we don't know how to do it. Here's how to do it. So there you go. So, hey. so comply first is, is, is really just that it's, it's a resource for, for people that want to comply with regulations and, uh, giving them, uh, the, the tools that they need, I guess, to start to, to navigate this area. Yeah, I think, I think there's some additional things to it as well. I mean, I, I think part of your initial question was how it, how it came about or how it's organized. Um, it's actually been in the works for a while. I think it was, I believe it was, I was, it was 2018 and, and uh, I think it was Naveen over at Tari and myself, we were having a conversation and it, it just seemed the perception of, for instance, Monero with, with the larger crypto community and, and with, with uh, exchanges and kind of the, what we knew as, as the reality that compliance was possible, um, there was quite a mismatch. And, and it was just kind of like, well, you know, why don't, why don't we start putting something together and start collaborating um, with, with a law firm, which ended up being Perkins Coie, kind of collaborate together to, to you know, they, they worked on that white paper. And then just um, like Justin mentioned, um, I think dur during that process, a lot of people came together. So it is really kind of like an open source movement. There's a lot of people that I know Atari did a, a worked with us and has put, done a ton on, on this and um, Justin's put a ton of work in, you know, I've, I've done, I've done some as well. And we've had several other people that have really stepped up to a place and helped to put these resources together. Um, but I think another kind of another, what I see is kind of a secondary mission is um, it's funny, like with Bitcoin, it's kind of a technical quirk that it's as transparent as it, as it is. Um, you know, I think when, when Bitcoin was released and, and being put together, kind of the cryptography for for private transactions either wasn't around or it was maybe not mature, robust and developed enough to to be considered um, by Satoshi or, or he didn't know enough about it, whatever the case was. <clears throat> so I think that was released and and it just kind of it, in a way it was you may say it was could have been a blessing in some regards because it allowed I think, you know, Bitcoin and crypt cryptocurrencies being such a new and novel thing at the time it allowed kind of the larger world to get comfortable with these things and allowed them to grab a foothold beast being, you know, versus them trying to choke it off early. But at the same time, it also got um, people like regulators, like, uh, you know, uh, people in finance kind of comfortable with the idea that, you know, cryptocurrencies are all about making everyone's transactions public and, and, and publicly viewable. So there's this idea that, that that's somehow normal, and, you know, as we've seen with all these privacy abuses, all, all the, you know, I've, I, for instance, I, I uh, you know, you, you, you search on your name on Google, for instance, and you find this, this company wants to sell your address and phone number and this one does and that one does. And I, I never went the effort of trying to get that, get that off of Google. And it's, you have to pay some third party company money or spend a ton of time doing it. So privacy in general, you know, and financial privacy as well is, is just quite a big topic, I, I think, moving forward. So. Um, so I think, and also, so part of the comply first mission is really to, on the perception side is to help cor correct the perception that it's somehow weird to be using these privacy preserving cryptocurrencies that if like on the fact that if I'm Bitcoin, if I have a, a Bitcoin address and say I have five Bitcoin on there and I pay some guy 200 bucks worth of Bitcoin for some, some service he performed for me or a product, um, 
it would just make sense naturally, given the nature of Bitcoin, to either basically uh, send it to an exchange first and send it back to a new address uh, and send it to him from that or to use a mixer or something like that. Um, just so he doesn't see that I have five Bitcoin and everyone else doesn't see that as well. And, and so, but that's, that somehow is kind of can be looked at as kind of a weird thing. So part of it is, is, is working to help to correct that perception that, you know, not, not only the, can exchanges carry these things, but these things are, these privacy preserving cryptos are here to stay. And it's not a weird thing. Privacy is a value that, that I think is, is, Everyone, everyone should value privacy, especially kind of in this era of uh, this oncoming dragnet surveillance and things we see out of places like China. It's, it's, it is a really fundamental uh, right that people have. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, everything. that's So, I mean, if you talk to, to Joe Schmo on the street, that's whether they've heard of Bitcoin or not, most people have at this point. Uh, the Joe Schmoes of the world still think, you know, Bitcoin is anonymous and they think like, you know, that's inherent in this technology. Uh, then, you know, you talk to the people that obviously know crypto and the, you know, the banks and now uh, these larger companies, uh, financial companies that are getting interested in it or have already stepped into it. And uh, they seem to be uh, obviously well aware of the fact that that Bitcoin is transparent and uh, seemingly excited about that. Uh, that seems to be becoming part of uh, the value proposition of what Bitcoin is. And, you know, it's being talked about as, you know, uh, that's part of what this next bull run in, is, is in Bitcoin is, you know, now big money can get in and, and they know that, you know, Bitcoin's clean and it's safe and it's traceable. Um, that seems to be part of uh, part of the story. And what's also interesting is like you're like you're saying is what's what's kind of got lost along the way is uh this expectation of privacy in 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 financial transactions i mean we're, we're so used to or historically uh you know uh using cash you know that used to be a normal thing um and now uh you know it's it's kind of disappeared and it's you know we've kind of reinvented it with cryptocurrency and bitcoin's obviously the one that's kind of leading leading the charge here and now it's like we have to re-argue as to why we need cash. Uh, so it's like it's gotten forgotten. Meanwhile, and we're here calling things like Monero, um, you know, privacy coins, which is in my it's absurd that we even have to call them privacy coins. Uh, they should just be called, you know, uh, whatever it is, crypt cryptocurrency. They make up a name. There's enough names that everybody calls these things. Cryptocurrency and it, it's just yeah. It's just very interesting where we are right now that we essentially have to argue uh, and, you know, work with regulators and now um, try to get people to understand why cash is is essential and important to begin with and uh, remind people that it's the normal thing. You know, when you when you go to a bank traditionally and, you know, you take out three thousand dollars from the, the bank. You know, they may say, you know, if you want more than a certain amount, they may say you have to come back. We don't have that much money on hand, but they give you the cash. And once you leave with that cash, you're free to do with it as however, whatever, however you wish. You know, you're not not every time you make an expense, you're going back and reporting to the bank. Oh, I just used you know, ten dollars of the cash to buy this. And I just used a thousand dollars to buy this. Once you have that cash in hand, you're, you're, you're free to use your cash 
And everybody expects that. Everybody, anybody would be turned off by the fact that, you know, once you have that cash, it's now uh, traceable and the authority that gave you that cash can now see how you use it. Uh, any, any, any normal person would find that repulsive. Uh, yet with cryptocurrency, it's become almost expected that that's what should happen. And that's what we're seeing in the Bitcoin space. Uh, and then you have things like Monero that don't allow that and are preserving uh, what what cash gave us. Um, so it, I, in, in my, it, it's very strange to see this happening. And so where do you guys do you, you know, I, I feel like we're in this gray area right now. Um, and where do you ultimately see this going? You guys, I feel like are part of what's becoming the bridge uh, during this, you know, allowing us to move from, you know, non-crypto to the crypto world. You're, you guys are going to be partaking in that by, by uh, with Comply First and, you know, explaining to these companies what it is that they need to do. Um, what do you see as being the ultimate outcome? Are we going to be, are we going to get to a world, hopefully soon, where, you know, exchanges are, using privacy coins just as much as they're using bitcoin are they gonna uh are, are we gonna get there or is it or is it gonna be is it always gonna be bitcoin and then you know this other thing privacy coins that are looked at as having higher risks that it won't be as easy to obtain only certain exchanges are going to use them what do you guys see as being the ultimate outcome and is that part of the agenda of comply first. What What is the vision of comply first? Where are you trying to take us? Well, I would say there's two things there I want to touch on. First is comply first believes that at least in the United States, according to the regulations that are in, in books right now, we can put aside New York because it's a bit more ambiguous. Um, but for the rest of the United States, we feel that it is not in a gray area. We feel that, uh, you know, to a large extent, exchanges have envisioned that these privacy preserving cryptocurrencies are more in a gray area than they might be, which has uh, deep landed, you know, adoption or addition of these lower on their priority than it might otherwise be. Um, so we, we have put out resources that explicitly say like this sh should be a path forward for you to be able to provide services and products related to these cryptocurrencies. And so we heavily encourage you to, because of course you have users that do want to ha not have every transaction be completely broadcast to the public. So there's obviously a, a strong demand for this. However, I would say when it comes to future regulation, there's really two possible paths forward. Um, so the first is that if regulators are able to notice that adoption of these privacy features is very, very low. It has limited liquidity. All of the liquidity comes from, you know, centralized exchanges that they have adoption or have some control over. They're in the jurisdiction. Um, for This is usually the case for small privacy-preserving cryptocurrencies, ones that are listed on, like, let's say, one or two exchanges um, and are, are much smaller. For those, like, yes, the government could be quite aggressive at trying to shut those things down and in doing so they would effectively kill the coin if there's no liquidity for it you can't use a coin if you can't like buy or sell it anywhere right 
But in Monero's case, like Monero is a several billion dollar project and, you know, the transactions are up three times as much since they were last year. So it, it really isn't going away. And I think even though Monero is only listed on one major centralized exchange here in the U.S., and obviously we're doing what we can to uh, for, like improve it, um, you know, the fact that Monero is less accessible on U.S. regulated exchanges has just pushed people to use less regulated exchanges in foreign jurisdictions. So uh, in doing so, uh, like Monero has grown despite limited on and off ramps in the U.S. And since there are limited partners in the U.S. that are actually, you know, doing KYC AML on customers, it means that regulators may have a change in tone. I, I do expect them to, assuming Monero continues growing, where the focus will be less on let's like prevent people from using these things. It'll be let's make sh let's do what we can to incentivize people to use these things on our platforms where we have some additional insight to these transactions. Because from a regulator's perspective, they would much rather have people adopting Monero and doing a bunch of transactions on US centralized exchanges than they would if everyone was trading on a DEX or everyone was trading on, you know, a, a a different jurisdictions exchange where they wouldn't share information, then they really don't have much investigative power to go on. So I do think regulators will change their opinion, assuming Monero uh, continues growing, but you need to get to a sort of point where regulators are saying you like, yeah, it, like they need to signal to exchanges and banks, like stop treating this as a higher risk asset that you don't want to touch. We want you to support this asset because we want to be your partner to information share. I think to some extent that'll have to come with, from regulators two banks um, in particular, because at the moment, most cryptocurrency exchanges are heavily reliant on the policies of their banks, because if they lose their banking partners, then how are they going to be in business? So it still is very much uh, an indirect relationship. And I think if, if regulators want additional oversight on what people are doing with cryptocurrencies, um, particularly privacy preserving cryptocurrencies, the best way to gather that information is to set up, uh, you know, clear guidelines on how regulated entities can provide those services and then to actually encourage those services to support uh, these privacy preserving cryptocurrencies. Yeah, and I, I think you, you mentioned, you made a few good points. I mean, one is these, I, I think a lot of people are assuming that exchanges just delist these things, but a lot of it just the pressure comes from banking partners because they are, you know, they, they, they're, they're under their own regulations like the um, <clears throat> Bank Secrecy Act and things like that, where they, they have to ensure that they don't have dirty, unless you're HSBC, for instance, um, they have to ensure that they don't have dirty money flowing around their, their, uh, their, their bank or money that, that could potentially be uh, a byproduct of, of money laundering or some other kind of nefarious activity. So, and a lot of that just comes from ignorance. I mean, they're not the, there's much less known about these uh, privacy coins and there's not as much resources out there traditionally. I mean, historically haven't been a lot of resources out there about these things that are open and kind of aimed towards compliance staff. So that's kind of one of the big things that we're trying to correct here. And, um, I think the other point that Justin hit on, which is which is really important, is is kind of the the, the size of 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 a community, the size of a of a market for a particular uh, uh, privacy preserving cryptocurrency. So that does matter, and I think you hear it matters it matters a ton. And you know, I think 
when you talk, you see on Reddit and, you, and there's members of the Monero community, you know, the, the opinions here are, are widely spread. And, you know, I think there's people that are, are really hardcore on the privacy side and, you know, screw the system. We don't want to have to work with those, those guys. Um, I, you know, I, it, it, you know, it's, it's definitely a position to consider considering kind of Monero's origins and things like that. I tend to, I think we, we tend to be more on the pragmatic bent where, listen, if you're, if you're on a centralized exchange, um, especially one that handles fiat currencies like the dollar, you know, there are certain rules that those exchanges are regulated. They have to play by those rules and there's no way around that. And part of those rule is those rules are, are reducing or, or, or gaining insight into their, their customers are and in putting in processes and procedures um, against uh, to combat money laundering, terrorist financing, illicit use of funds like child exploitation, and all, the, all the examples they normally give. And um, so, you know, there's, I think there's a good reason for those rules. Um, and at the same time, if, if for, for a project to be listed on that exchange, there is some level of compliance that it has. And, and because Monero is a privacy coin, doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't impact the fact that it can be compliant. I mean, you can, you have to, these customers on these exchange are identified um, and, and they can be known. So the fact that the coin, so the, the coins aren't the things that are compliant, made compliant. It's the, it's the venues, the exchanges. So the exchange can be a compliant venue if, as long as they're doing appropriate due diligence on their customers and on weird, maybe they're weird, large transactions, you know, odd transactions, weird, different technologies being used. Um, it really, it's at the exchange's responsibility to perform further due diligence there. So, but, but the thing is, is that what we're doing is by putting these resources in the hands of exchanges and other virtual asset service providers is kind of enabling them to feel comfortable in offering these these uh, cryptocurrencies like Monero. And I think that's really important because that really expands the user base. That's what gets people interested. That's what grows um, the market, the, the market cap, you know, as, as much as people, we, we all, especially in the Monero community, we're not a ton of speculators that are just calling for the moon. Um, there's a lot of people that have genuine interest in the technology. And I think that's great. That's the core of a really solid cryptocurrency uh, community. And, you know, I, I, I was one of the co-founders of Counterparty, which was an early, early project. And we really, we, we had that as well. And, in, and that was really the core of, of that community. Um, but at the same time, like you see a, a lot of adoption, humans being humans and human nature being what it is. We're, 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 we're greedy people and we're greedy things. And when we see, uh, you know, when there's something we're interested in, we want, we want to acquire that and own it. So I think that's part of it is, by allowing people to basically take part financially in in a cryptocurrency, they become psycho psychologically invested in in the system, and they help to grow the user base, which helps to make the cryptocurrency much more resistant to efforts to shut it down or to break it apart or just to kind of make keep it small and push it over there and sweep it under the rug and ignore it. So I think from a pragmatic perspective. I think that's a big interest, at least of mine personally, is just gaining more more actual exchange listings, adoption of this stuff. It, the, 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 yes, sure, the price may go up, but it also, in doing so, it gets people interested in what is this Monero thing, you know? And then people say, how do I get it? It's much easier to get it. And, and, and in doing so, maybe, hopefully, people will become more educated in the value of, of um, uh, privacy-preserving cryptocurrencies and, like, 
like like we were talking about that's how bitcoin is is not in the history of money it's not a normal thing and it's nothing we should take for granted is just how things will be because if everything was like that you know we would live in a dystopian society so i think there has to be a degree of privacy and and i think for last thing i'll say is for people interested on that i think coin center wrote an, an excellent paper about the benefits of peer-to-peer cash and we have it under the resources uh the external resources section of our website um, but it's also in coins coin center site of course uh, as well so you guys gave your first seminar today who who was on there who was watching do you guys know was it was it companies that are interested in working with privacy coins who who is your customer who's who's watching those seminars well i mean we do have a very pretty strict privacy policy that we don't really share who is watching these things well, or who signs up so what are the, what but, are like the, the types we didn't know who anyone was so <laughs> yeah um no, we did make sure that there were like more anonymous options to join. Now, granted, like you do need to use a Microsoft product. So like at the end of the day, we're not perfect, but it's like people did not need to provide us with their um, like actual, like we didn't verify any of the information people provided. But that aside, um, we definitely targeted the webinar at compliance professionals, people who are working with exchanges. Um, Although, uh, you know, we still wanted the focus to be with regulators. We were in touch with some individuals at FinCEN. And so um, it was very good news for us that, uh, you know, FinCEN at least heard of our documents the day we made them public. So it meant the word was getting out the way it should have. Um, and that, that's really credit to, um, you know, Robbie and the rest of the compliance for <laughs> Comply First team there. Um, but uh, yeah, targeting compliance professionals. We want them to see the resources because th at the end of the day, they are the ones that are, are implementing these compliance programs. They are the ones that are going to have to be the ones talking to their bank. If their bank comes to them and says, hey, do you support privacy coins is what they're going to say. Or, hey, do you support this? And they're going to have to be like, yes, and this is why, and this is what we do. Like, And, and, and people don't want to do that if they don't have to. So um, you know, obviously banks have to come around later, but we were focusing on giving resources first to the, uh, the people who are regulated and have these compliance programs already implemented. So, but of course people like, you know, you or anyone else in the wider cryptocurrency community are, are welcome to watch and figure out what's going on in this side of the world. Oh yeah. I tuned in today. I'll definitely be tuning into others. Um, so you're, you're probably going to hate this question, but so so like Coinbase, right? So we've been waiting, we've all been waiting forever for for Monero to be added to Coinbase. We saw Zcash got added, I guess it was a few years ago now. Um, is Grin on Coinbase? I don't even, I don't even know. Is, That's a good is, question. I don't know. <laughs> everything under the sun these days. Monero is peculiarly absent. Right. I, I remember they had they had come up with uh, you know their their you know um re reasons for how they add certain coins and i remember even at that time it seemed like monero checked every single single box um so what what is going through the mind of of coinbase i mean so they're they're weighing obviously i think if if they were to add monero there you would think that they'd be making some money off that right off of the trades and people coming in to to buy monero right uh, and then they're weighing that against the it is the the risk that they have to take with adding it. I mean, what what do you guys yeah. see is what's 
what's the decision that's being made there and and how is it that they're siding on not adding Monero to this day uh, when you have things like uh, the Perkins paper that came out and, you know, Kraken has always carried Monero and that's, you know, a very large established uh, United States exchange. Um, what What is the holdup there and what needs to be done to, to get them to come over to the, the dark side? I mean, I think ultimately, first of all, Obviously, we can't speak for Coinbase, but I think ultimately they need to want it. Um, like it can it can no longer be a we want to support privacy, but this or we want to support privacy, but like every, the jury's still out. Like privacy is happening on Bitcoin, you know, not on the scale it happens on Monero, but Monero is a smaller project too. So you know, Coinbase needs to deal with challenges with privacy preserving tools on Bitcoin. Um, so they need to, they ultimately need to, need to be the ones that are willing to make an argument. And I mean, from our perspective, there's, you know, we don't have insight to their, you know, correspondent they've had with regulators and their banks, but you know, they're, they're pretty well known. And I think if they were, uh, more aggressive, um, I think that that would be really good for everyone. I don't know why they're not, um, you know, they, they were more aggressive for adding Zcash, although only the transparent form. Um, but Gemini, for example, um, they support shielded withdrawals and deposits of Zcash. So what's the practical difference between like hidden and with, you know, obfuscated withdrawals and deposits of Monero on a compliant exchange compared to fully shielded transactions on Zcash? There really isn't a, from a compliance perspective, there's effectively no difference. Um, you know, compliance professionals don't care about the cryptography. They just care about what are my risks and the risks are effectively identical. So I don't know. I mean, it, it needs to take people like comply first that are out there lowering the bar as far as possible. That's what we're trying to do. But ultimately at the end of the day, these companies can do whatever they want and they need pressure from others to get out and do the right thing. And I know Coinbase has had some challenges with that uh, in the past several years. But um, I'm, I'm really hoping that they they figure it out soon, like Kraken has, who, just as a reminder, has a banking charter now and has disclosed that they support Monero as part of that. So it certainly is possible to even operate, you know, it's in some cases in New York, because you don't need a bit license if you have a banking charter. So there you go, put the pieces together. Um, so I, I do think... Once someone more aggressive, like Kraken, if, if, if Kraken is more aggressive, in, in our opinion, in a correct and, and sensible way, um, is, uh, you know, always pushing the boundary, then, you know, maybe someone will eventually come around. But you have to give someone a business case, too. Like, you know, Kraken, I mean, sorry, Coinbase and Gemini have shared investors with Zcash. So there's a bit of an, a, a direct incentive to support an asset. It's not, I mean, it, it's unlikely they have that same overlap with Monero. So they're probably less likely to be like out and outspoken for why they should support these assets, other assets. Um, so, so, so they just haven't uh, acquired enough Monero yet themselves. I mean, that's one way. If you somehow <laughs> were to just drop off, like park a few Monero somewhere, like 
That that's certainly an option. But like, yeah, it's, training a kid with a ton of Monero to give him some. Yeah, like, did that guy oh. really buy it at fifty cents? Like, I don't <laughs> know. Um, but like, it, maybe they did. But uh, point it like people are like, if you put a financial incentive in someone's pocket, it definitely makes things easier. Um, but it's it's I don't think it's the only part. I I just think they just are relatively apathetic towards it. And they like to talk about the importance of privacy. Like they talk about, oh, importance of privacy, which is why we support Zcash transparent addresses. Like it's, it doesn't really add up. So, I, I mean, I think there are like, if you look at like, yeah, of course it's, this could all be talk, but you look at Brian Armstrong's, he, he did mention on a tweet or something like that, that, you know, hey, I'd like to support Monero, but I don't want to die on this hill, this regulatory hill fighting regulators, which I don't know. I mean, you could take that argument. You could at the time, you know, with kind of comply first. And he said that before this regulatory white paper was out, you may be able to, you could give him the benefit of the doubt there. And you could say, listen, like, you know, obviously that's not the case, but he didn't know that. But you would assume some base, like someone like Coinbase, who has had Ricardo over to present on Monero years ago would be knowledgeable and would have done due diligence re- regulatory level about that. And I don't know why they would have seen that they could perfectly offer Monero and stay compliant. Now, maybe there's some kind of PR or just kind of perception things why they didn't, they don't want to have articles written about them saying that they're kind of enabling all sorts of evil people to do it. And those are written out of ignorance as well. But at the same time, that's just kind of where, where we are. But now we have, you know, this, this white paper was released, I think in September and comply first came out. I think we publicly released that in early December. So now these resources are out there. So number one, that's that, that effort and those efforts around privacy preserving cryptos in particular is, is making it less like less him, less able to kind of ignore this. And number two, you know, we've talked about, we mentioned that these privacy technologies are, are appearing in Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're getting more widespread use. We had an example from Justin did from the from the, the webinar where he noted that what Samurai Wallet uh, mixing size and transactions were up over 10x over this last year with Bitcoin. Um, so even even with Bitcoin, these things are are getting these features are getting more use. It's you're less likely to kind of keep that keep that old school stance of you know Bitcoin and Ethereum. These are compliant and this is great, perfect. And but we're just going to leave and kind of ignore these Monero and the Zcash to some extent. We're just going to push these guys over here and ignore them, and and we feel safe about being compliant now. So that position is getting just more and more untenable uh, as these resources come out and as time goes on. So are, are there um, is it potentially more costly to to comply with? Um, Bitcoin versus Monero. So if you're an exchange and you're, you know, you're accepting, obviously you're accepting Bitcoin and then there's privacy coins like Monero. Uh, with Bitcoin, we have technologies like chain analytics companies that, that you know, you can uh, implement to, to follow the chain and track and trace people. With Monero, uh, that doesn't really exist. Um, so you, you don't have that option is it potentially even cheaper for a company in exchange to comply uh, with a privacy coin versus something like Bitcoin because you don't even have those additional tools there to implement, which obviously come with costs? 
I would say in theory, but like the, the, the uncertainty that comes with swimming upstream a little bit, um, again, not to a huge extent, like, like let's not kid ourselves. Like Kraken is still like out there and is a big fish. Um, that's already made it up, up, but the insert for some reason, the uncertainty is perceived as, is significant. And so, so long as it will be perceived as such, people are like, they're just not going to care. Um, there are very few businesses like Cake Wallet that are, you know, doing very well, but also are heavily reliant on Monero revenue. Most are reliant on like Bitcoin and Ethereum revenue, and that's just the way it is. And so, sure, there is some money to become from, you know, to be gained from listing Monero. And and as Monero continues to grow, I, I mean, that's going to be a more and more compelling argument going forward. No one really sees Monero being one of the few coins that goes away, or one of the coins that goes away in the next like five or 10 years, like people expect out of all the coins, Monero will probably still be around, but it, uh, the fact is most of the trading volumes on, on Bitcoin. So all the money's there. So, uh, it's easy to just be dismissive of other products sometimes. Um, so I don't know. I, I do think to some extent, um, we, we've kind of paved the way, like we, we've built like all these compliance programs are complied first. And to some extent, we're just waiting for like a medium sized exchange just to like <laughs> swoop in and then just start running with these tools. And, you know, they're going to be doing things. I don't want to create the perception that they would be like rash in doing so. Like they're following best practices. They're doing all KML, like KYC AML. They're doing all these compliance things they should, but like they would be filling the void that the larger players are just uncertain about for whatever reason. Um, but I, we, I, yeah. I, I, sorry, Justin. I was, I was, I think my personal surprise, I was really surprised that we, we release these resources. And like Justin said, day one, we had someone way high up in FinCEN, way high up contact us very positive about the resources. Real nice guy, real positive about the resources. FinCEN, FinCEN took an immediate interest in this, the regulator. That was the last thing I was expecting. I was expecting we'd have to get a bunch of attention from a bunch of exchanges and then the regulator would kind of come around and look at this stuff and we'd have to, you know, kind of make a case and all this other stuff to them. Um, but like we didn't have a Coinbase, Brian Armstrong or one of his people didn't reach out and say, wow, great. This is, this is what we need to make the case. So it, I, I it's, it was, it, at one end it was cool that the regulator themselves took in such an immediate interest in this. And another, and another side is kind of like, come on crypto industry like short of like kraken and and like the old school poloniacs that were that really just really started carrying monero out the gate and just really move this thing forward like what are the rest of these guys doing like <laughs> it we have fin over here and they're just like <laughs> we, you know this, we like the direction this is going in and and what do you what do you guys need all the resources are here so I think it's still like given the benefit of the doubt, it hasn't been that long. It takes these compliance departments and these executives a while to kind of like they're so busy and, and maybe they haven't seen it or whatever. But as time goes on the next month or two or whatever, it gets less likely for them to say that they have to at some point come take a look at these resources and and, and just say like, OK, this stuff, this stuff makes sense. You know, it's, it's of course, like we noted, it's not a legal opinion. We're not providing legal opinions. Um, so you can't like say, oh, well, the comply first guys told me, but at the same time, like you can, you can, you know, Perkins Coie weighed on, weighed in on it. Um, they have very well reasoned logic behind that and in references. 
and you can cross-check any of this any of this stuff we're saying against the extant references, legal, uh, regulatory uh, statutes, and things like that, and see that it's it's you know it's legit. So at some point, these guys have to do that. I think that's a really good point because it's often the what a lot of people think in the Monero community is that FinCEN is just like this like Snoopy person in the back, and they're just like doing whatever they can to just kill everything else <laughs> off, right? And that just I know I'm not going to change everyone's opinion as a result of this, but that's not really what they're trying to do. Like they do try and weigh the balances about, you know, let's, let's collect information where it's useful for us to have information. Um, and then let's also make sure that innovation still occurs. So when comply first resources got out there, like, yeah, we all like, they are being reviewed by not only just compliance professionals at exchanges, but yes, regulators are looking at them too. Right. So if, I mean, I hope this is the case, but if, if the case is that Comply First continues to be like the first name people think of to call when they have like, oh, we're having this panel on privacy. We need to invite someone. Comply First, right? Or, oh, we want this discussion. Comply First, right? Then all of a sudden, now we've made our way into the discussion. And if we're collaborating with FinCEN often, right, which I, I don't want to suggest we are at the moment, but if we are, you know, if, if this relationship builds where our resources continue to be well you know, respected, um, then like, <laughs> like it's basically us being like, yes, we have these resources. They're pretty good. All the feedback we say is good. The regulators like, yeah, looks all right. They can't endorse it, but they say, yeah, looks okay. And then the, the crypto exchanges are like IDK though. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And it's just, it's just this, it's, it's weird because these industries, which are, on the bleeding edge of like, a, like they're, they're in an emerging industry that sometimes people perceive as higher risk, right? Are so risk averse in some certain things. I think perhaps it just comes from being so defensive about their banking relationships. Like when signing up there, like a lot of times it's like, please give me a bank account, please I'll do anything, right? Is sort of what it's become. And it's just, it's remarkable to see how that it, it makes its way into the way they like approach certain policies and procedures. I think cracking getting a banking license just will be great. It's great news. I mean, just like oh, the yeah. fact that you got some real deal stuff, you know, and, 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 you know, I have, I have experience with Silvergate and, and stuff like that, personal experience. And, um, you know, I think they're, they're a lot more crypto friendly than obviously most banks. And it's, it's great to be able to move money between fiat and crypto and not worry about being having your account shut down. Um, Cause they have a good relationship with their regulator, I think, which is the San Francisco fed or something like that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they're no Kraken and they don't carry that kind of that crypto ethos from the get go forward and, 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 and support Monero. And like Justin noted, we're able to get a banking license base, you know, with when that information was right there in the disclosures. So I think that's that that's just a shining endorsement that that at the, even at the highest levels to have a banking license, it is possible to to support privacy preserving cryptocurrencies and do so. So let's talk a little bit more about what would it functionally be like for um, you know an exchange? They want to they want to add Monero. They don't have Monero yet, or they want to add some other privacy coin. But let's just just talk about Monero. Um, and you know they they do come across these scenarios where I guess a customer is considered more high risk. What is it that these exchanges would be expected to do? And this 
relates to my previous question, which was, you know, I see like with Bitcoin, I think you they could then look to chain analytics companies, right? And implement those tools uh, to do more due diligence and trying to figure out, uh, you know, whether where where coins have come from or where they're going. Um, with Monero, what would the exchange be expected to do at that point? Just ask for more information about the customer? Uh, in general, yes. Um, keeping in mind that like a lot of cryptocurrency exchanges already ask for far more information than is considered the minimum, um, even for Bitcoin. So like in the United States, there are some allowances to not require an ID, for example, for purchases of uh, like exchanges of up to $3,000, right? And, you know, that varies, whatever. Well, well, you know, it's not, not, it's not as straightforward as it might appear, but that that's, you know, technically, right? Um, but still, um, what, what cryptocurrency exchange in the U.S. could you just buy 100 bucks of crypto without providing, like, any information? Pretty much none, right? So, uh, you know, they already, at, like, they ask for common sensible things that they typically ask for people from a KYC onboarding. And so if they feel that that is not sufficient enough, they can do a few things. One, they can say, well, for trading and privacy, privacy uh, preserving cryptocurrencies, we might initially set your limit as lower. You can only deposit or withdraw up to like a lower limit than we'd permit for the same tier for uh, like Bitcoin. What's, for example, until we feel comfortable with the relationship. Or it might say, well, tier one requires an ID and your address and your social security number. Well, for tier two, we need to know what your occupation is and you need to upload like a bank statement. Maybe that is, and then they'll be like, okay, we have information. This person clearly has a job and has assets. It's reasonable that they have some money to trade, right? Um, that, that's another example. Um, alternatively, you know, they can go other routes. They could say, um, you can... Uh, like buy Monero on the platform and you might only be able to deposit or withdraw on other exchanges that support Monero. That's obviously not ideal from a user experience perspective, but at that point, what risk is there with the privacy component of the tool if you're only sending to other regulated exchanges? It's basically irrelevant. So um, again, not advocating that route, but off, that, you wouldn't be able to send your Monero off to your own wallet. You'd be forced to send it to Another. Right, like I, I don't advocate for an exchange to do this, but like theoretically, just in terms of risk mitigation, like there is no substantial incremental risk from an exchange transferring like Bitcoin from Coinbase to Kraken than Monero from Coinbase to Kraken, right? So like in all cases, Kraken and Coinbase know who each other are and they know information about the customer passed with the travel rule. So nothing is really being obfuscated as a result of them using Monero compared to Bitcoin. So um, I, I think to some extent it's useful to break things down on those types of risks. And so I, I think it's just most likely that someone, you know, I, I really hope an exchange will just look at their existing tier-based verification system because almost everyone has a tier-based deal. And they'll just say like, you know, first tier, or, or they'll, they'll like maybe move Monero down like one tier if they really want to be quick about it. Otherwise, like they could justify, uh, you know, Monero potentially still fitting in the existing tiers if they already collect for uh, like enough information. Um, but um, obviously, the exchange needs to make that assessment. 
And it's probably not worth like dragging their feet out and not supporting it at all compared to like just a quick implementation. Sometimes doing things quickly and then letting uh, like quickly and sometimes a little too much initially, but then letting things settle in like a more equilibrium sometimes makes more sense. Um, so it really ends up, you know, whatever the exchange is comfortable with. And you, you could see, um, I mean, maybe at first they're a little bit, they kind of overshoot a little bit at first because they're, they're, they're less comfortable with this. So the experience could be kind of, uh, more difficult than you would want at first, just when the exchange onboards it. And then once they get comfortable with, with Monero, that kind of what it's about and how it works and who, who the users, their users that, that utilize and trade it are and things like that, they may, they may kind of start to relax those things. So we could see that. And then the, I think the other thing is, um, Justin mentioned limiting, moving it off, off exchanges. Um, and I, you may even with crypto as a whole see more of that over the years, unfortunately, I, I think that, um, you, you know, we're starting to see grumblings, especially, you know, from the treasury department about them wanting to kind of restrict that and, and starting to see that, um, I think Switzerland with, with some of their, some of their stuff. And so I, I, that's really, that's not something that will affect just privacy. That's all crypto. But at the same time, if you're doing that, if you're at that level and things have gotten that bad, there's absolutely no reason to not support privacy preserving cryptocurrencies because they can't, this is, this is another asset you can't get off your exchange. So I heard, I certainly hope that things do not get to that point. That would be, it, it would really be these regulators, whoever implements this and, and decrees this really shooting themselves in the foot because if you want a better reason to basically say, screw the centralized exchange, let me start using Monero atomic swaps with Bitcoin. Let me start using DEXs. Let me start using this and that and the other thing. You just, you got the best reason right there to do that and to go to kind of jump over a little bit more hoops to, to, to kind of make use of that technology. So, uh, and I think the other thing that you may see is, you know, we do reference this enhanced due diligence. That's why Comply for us has one of these questionnaires on the site. And um, we we try to be really nuanced about that. Like, and we also have a case where a user could be requested for their view, the, the, the when you want to send Monero to an address, be requested for a view key and uh, private uh, spend key, key images uh, for that. Um, and that, the, 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 the questionnaire is, is, you know, I think it's a pain for users to fill out and it's also a pain for compliance staff to review that thing. So hopefully it's, it's not something that's intended to be used quite often, but all only in the most like kind of, you get a case where you, you think someone needs to have do, enhanced due diligence conducted where the amounts are very large. They're maybe a political, politically exposed person or whatever. Just, Justin's a compliance professional here, so he can kind of talk to that more than I can. Um, but the other thing is that when you're talking on the technical side, requesting uh, view keys and getting the view key from someone is easy enough, but getting those key images, um, I got to have the Monero, you know, GUI client, for instance, and I got to issue the key images. I have to issue a command line and, and, and a command in the command line interface is not available through the GUI. Um, and then the regulator needs to be running a, a full Monero node and have the blockchain downloaded. Uh, and then they have to be, I have to exchange these, this data with them. They have to bring it in and they have to import it into their, create a new wallet for, for, for my address and kind of import that data in and then, and then do like show transactions and view it and parse that data out. So it's, it's a really, uh, uh kind of obtuse process and it's, it's meant to be difficult. It should be difficult that doing that should not be in my, in my view, should not be easy because it's not meant to be used as an everyday tool. 
it should be something that is only employed in kind of the most uh, situations where I want to cash out $10 million in Monero or whatever. And I'm not, I, I'm not like a, a particularly well-known to the, I pass KYC, but I'm maybe not the exchange has some questions and, and things like that, where, uh, you know, I, I really, there's really situations like I'm maybe politically exposed or something like that, where there's situations really that would justify that for, for them to meet their compliance obligations. So it's, it's not something that we should see a, a lot of. Yeah. To be very clear, we are absolutely not recommending for a normal onboarding process to say, give us your view key and key images hard. No for this. It, creates a ton of friction, not only just for the Monero users, um, but it also creates a lot of friction for the exchanges. And frankly, there is never like a traditional onboarding where they're like, we want to see like the entire transaction history that you've ever done for the entire history of this address. Like it's just, it's weird. Um, and it's also not even that effective to be honest, um, because it's not like someone has someone's not restricted to addresses like they are restricted to their bank accounts. Like, sure, you can open a bank account anywhere, but you probably don't have hundreds of them. Meanwhile, you know, an illicit actor can easily create hundreds of addresses. So it's just, we don't recommend using it. Like we, we made it so that if they're, you know, regulators, banks, investigators have questions, they now have tools that ask like, this is what you should do and why. Um, but this is certainly not something we're recommending as a, as a typical process. Um, it's over, it's over compliance and it also is terrible user experience for the exchange and the user. Yeah. I mean, the other, the other case is that this, the methods to do that, they, they're already out there and they've been in the, they've been in the client in the code for a long time. So there's nothing new here. And also none of this should ever touch any kind of protocol code. Like just like with Bitcoin, the idea of, of a regulator coming to a Monero developer, for instance, and saying, you know, you need to, you should, you need to add add this stuff into your code, or else is just absolutely ridiculous. And the regulators know that they're not idiots. They know that they know that that doesn't work in the era of open source. You start trying that thing, people are going to fork that code faster than you've ever seen, and Monero will survive untouched by you and maintained by fully anonymous contributors. It will be even harder to deal with it. So it is anti-fragile due to just due to the nature of open source. So I don't think anybody's going to try that uh, anytime soon. And certainly, you know, we're, I've been using Monero since 2015. I think Justin's, you know, probably just as long. And, and, you know, I, I think we're, we're all hardcore users here too. So that just, uh, there's, there's no ever any kind of thought that any of this kind of compliance stuff falls onto any kind of protocol changes or anything like that. This is strictly at the edges with a fiat regulated exchange and helping them get more comfortable with carrying this asset unchanged, it, not, not changing it one bit for, for anybody. And then the final note is, you know, DEXs are also a thing too, right? People want to use centralized exchanges because they're easy. They can link their bank account. They can go directly to it, but it's not the only option to trade in the assets. And I think regulators are like, they're knowledgeable of that too, that if they, like if you have a large asset where people are willing to actually trade it, like go through the effort, there's a high enough demand that people are going to trade it on a DEX. And if it's their only option, they're, they're, people are going to do it. <laughs> and, and those are going to become more user-friendly, I'm sure, as, as we go, right? And things like I mean, that. I don't think they'll ever be as user-friendly as a centralized exchange, but like at, at a certain point, you know, if, if there's a demand for asset, like people find a way to trade it. It's to some extent. 
they've, they've come up, they, they have come a long way. I think we had the first with counterparty. We had a, maybe the first working decks and, and it was with Bitcoin block times. You made a trade and it took 40 minutes for the trade to execute and show up. And with, we were trying to incorporate Bitcoin. It was a horrendous, I think we ended up disabling it, but you could trade counterparty assets pretty well. And, you know, we had all those, we had some cool successful experience of that. And then you had ether Delta, which, uh, it's it kind of an early Ethereum DEX and several others, and but it wasn't quite there with those, and never really quite caught on because the centralized exchanges were so much easier to to work with. Um, but then you see like Uniswap, and it's gotten pretty darn good. I mean, the experience, and so it's like, I think you know, as somebody looking at this, you have to be like, th this is where I kind of kind of the, some of the reason we rethink this regulatory approach to these privacy coins will change is because. This technology is coming wrong. You have the uh, atomic swaps work with Monero proceeding and the technology is only getting easier to use. So when you weigh about that, about how easy it's getting to work with this, with, with kind of jumping on a, on a centralized exchange and jumping through AML KYC hoops and providing identification and getting approval and all this other stuff, um, if, especially if you're not conducting transactions with fiat currency, it gets harder and harder to make a case for complaint for, for centralized exchanges. So you, I think I, if I was a regulator, I don't know what's going through their mind and, you know, we don't talk to them about this for instance, but I would take a look at this and I would say, listen, like, like, I think like Justin mentioned at some point things get big enough and the privacy technologies become as, as diff more and more diffuse through the ecosystem. We need to start accommodating these things better and, and, and allow, be realistic about their adoption and still, while still accomplishing our our mandate to prevent money laundering, to prevent terrorist financing, all that stuff. Um, so I they think, you know, be, again, being pragmatic with it and trying to find an acceptable middle ground for everybody, just facing the, the sheer fact that this stuff is becoming more and more uh, widespread. And if they, if they don't do that, again, it just chases it underground and it makes it harder and harder because if because if Monero's on a, on a regulated exchange, um, with the people that are exchanging that to U.S. dollars and other cryptocurrencies and trading it, as 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 a regulator or in, or in law enforcement, I get to see those transactions, and and I get to see if people are cashing out to dollars, I can catch a lot of bad activity that way, and I think that's 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 a that's a good thing. For them so i think that's the next best thing short of being able to see everyone's transactions which will never happen uh with this um i think that's that's they, i think they they hopefully they're seeing that that's that's a really good kind of position to be in and and, and not to mess that up by by farther clamping down on this so i, I think that's a kind of the pragmatic look at this uh yes yeah, so do you guys see comply first evolving into something like a coin center um and you know becoming maybe more of a, a like a, a lobbyist and talking about what you guys want the regulations to be uh re regarding privacy coins i mean i, I don't like to think of it as a, I, I like to think of it more as just experts who are familiar with compliance and experts who are familiar with uh the privacy preserving cryptocurrencies and tools themselves just offering an opinion where needed. Like we're, we're gonna continue putting resources out there and we hope that they're, like the intent is not 
solely to push something in a direction. The intent is to come together. Let's, this is a consensus on what's a reasonable resource. That, that's ultimately what we're here for. Um, you know that like we're obviously advocates for privacy preserving uh, cryptocurrencies just because we think it's un like unthinkable for everything to be completely transparent. So uh, to some extent, we're going, you know, we're going to continue pushing that narrative. But um, I don't think that's like an outrageous narrative to push. And I also don't think the purpose of, of comply first in, in one word, um, you know, should be a, a lobbyist. Um, I, we're, we're here to we're here to make compliance resources. Right. Um, so that, that's that's what we do first and foremost. I don't know, Robbie, if you have a, a different view on, on this. We're, we're still new. We're still figuring things yeah, out. Yeah. I, I would I would agree with you. I think just to keep it focused on re offering just resources, com compliance. I don't, and Justin, unless you want to go down to DC and, and, and hobnob with a bunch of politicians, I don't have any desire to do that. Yeah, I don't think we're, I don't, we're, we probably will talk with regulators pretty commonly or pretty regularly, but I don't imagine we're going to speak with like uh, politicians frequently. Mm -hmm. Maybe if the opportunity presents itself, if someone comes to us and is like, hey, let us know what your opinion is on this, I mean, Maybe, yeah, just make this. But, but at what point is that us lobbying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if if we're always the ones that are picking up the phone from other people calling us, is is that, is that lobbying? I don't know. And well, do there's, you see there's, there's, there being a need there. I mean, I, I certainly do, right? I mean, it's uh, I know compli complying is one thing, but um, you know, and understanding what the regulations are and realizing, all right, um, you know, Monero. Monero's okay exchanges. You could you could list Monero. We've looked at the regulations. Uh, if you do these steps, you should be able to list it, and and you should be fine, and you'll be you'll be able to comply with the current regulations. Uh, but but the fear is obviously that you know I guess new regulations will come about. Um, so do you see there being a need uh, for Monero in particular for privacy coins in particular uh, to start to um, you know, have an influence on uh, what the regulations will become? Yeah, I mean, I, when you talk about the, the difference in effort in kind of between releasing resources and clarifying already existing regulations and saying that, you know, this is, it's, you know, in, in our view, at least it's, it's all right, guys, you know, this is, this is possible versus, you know, spinning your wheels and, and, and trying to get new regulations written, it's a huge, it's a huge effort difference. And the, the, the latter approach I think is definitely certainly important. Um, but comply first. I mean, as it is right now, we're, we're a small outfit this is people's free time. Basically it's, it's a all volunteer. Uh, we don't really have funding. Um, I think we have a structure in place where, you know, I think in the future we'll be able to have industry members and have, kind of membership phase paid for by those members and those could go towards uh, expanding resources and employing some some part-time or full-time people that to, to do to do this um, but none of it will ever be put towards making comply first any kind of for-profit venue or anything like that it's, this is not a for-profit thing this is just about having having a mission to kind of raise awareness that you can offer these uh, these cryptocurrencies today um, so changing laws like I don't know for there's someone who is this thing gets big enough and there's someone who's sufficiently interested in starting to take that on. And, um, but you already have groups like the blockchain association association and coin center 
that I already kind of put together to to take that on and have those connections. Um, I think what they haven't done is to put together these kind of resources, be this laser focused on privacy tools and privacy privacy uh, preserving cryptocurrencies. And so I think currently that's kind of where we see our our spot, you know. Yeah, no, I, th I think what you guys are doing is amazing, and you're definitely f filling a, a you know a necessary niche here. Um, and there's, there's a real need, uh, you know, people people want their privacy coins and they want to see them on exchanges. Um, do you think 2021 will be the year of you know uh, exchanges starting to to add Monero? I mean, obviously we have exchanges that have Monero, we have Kraken, but do you think we're going to start to, you know, with everything that's going on and what you guys are doing? Uh, do you think the ecosystem is is going to bend towards, um, you know, being more accommodating of, of privacy coins? I hope so, but... <laughs> Depends on if the Mon Monero Marines can spam Brian Armstrong with with links to the to the comply first website so it's all on <laughs> i'm half joking but it's um yeah i mean like justin said I, I i hope so i mean this information is out there now and it's we're getting more and more eyes on it i mean we get people joining our our, our telegram chat who i think are interested and they were just waiting for basically the information a, a lot of these folks that where they could just go to their department or their or their boss or whatever and say see you know we, we do have a basis for for offering these things um so i think especially as um as kind of the word gets out like like we've said there's less and less for a reason for these exchanges not to do it and to whatever extent we can provide them with a business case to do it because like hey look there's all these people that want this feature that's always a good thing too how about so Zcash obviously is one of the coins you guys are are, are working with, right? Um, are they uh, interested in you know because you have the the Z, Z Corp or you know the the company behind Electric Coin, yeah, um, the Electric Coin company? Uh, they're pretty well funded, at least they they used to, right? I assume they still are. Are are they interested in helping uh, fund this initiative? Is that something that's being uh, discussed at all, or? Um, I mean, so like we, we would be a good source of funding for helping push Comply First forward. I mean, we did sh let them review the resources before we pu went public with them um, early December, but they are not one of the uh, main contributors. And to some extent, I think it is useful for Comply First to not be known as like an initiative by a, a coin company, right? Um, like ultimately like my involvement in comply first is on behalf of, you know, DV, which is, uh, you know, cryptocurrency OTC desk. And so, um, we, we, we're doing what we can to speak with exchanges and bring them a part of it. And obviously I, I think we absolutely would love to have more of their involvement, but up to this point, we haven't had a lot of involvement from the ECC. Okay. What do you um, what do you guys see as being uh, next steps for Comply First? And if, well, we have an Ethereum compliance brief next. I think maybe maybe making a Zcash technical compliance guide is on the list. Um, uh, I think the Ethereum one should be actually pretty helpful. There, I think there's there was at least one or 
uh, one large uh, crypto organization that I think said that, you know, we're, we like what you guys are doing, but it's not, a, it's it, our business is mostly with Ethereum. So, you know, I think that as this thing is, you kind of rope Ethereum more into this effort uh, and talk about those, the privacy technologies possible on Ethereum and kind of fill that picture in a little bit more. We, we, we'll, we'll, we may get more involved. And so I think that I think that could open up a lot of things. And I think there's a number of issues when you talk about privacy with, you know, with with um, with DEX use. Ethereum has a ton of DEX use. And um, and and so I think that it's not again, like we talked about Bitcoin in, in, in mixing and Ethereum has experimental use of like zero knowledge proofs uh, on it as well. Um, and a lot of that stuff will just continue to grow. Um, but mixing is a thing on Bitcoin and, and, and a lot of DEX use on, on Ethereum. And it's criminals have in the past moved coins to try to obscure cash flows through different ERC-20 tokens, for instance. So it's, Ethereum is not this clean thing that um, that is, you know, is totally not an issue in the case that Monero may be an issue. So like you can't, some of that logic starts to break down that I think a, a, a lot of industry players in, in the space have used to, kind of justify like we're fine with ethereum and you know ethereum and bitcoin and all those eos and all that other stuff um but you know monero let's you know we're not really comfortable with that yeah so it's hard to say like we're worried about you know adoption of a privacy feature but we're totally fine with like users of all these unregistered decentralized exchanges that are like Mm -hmm. depositing with ties to sanctions and shit like it's it's It breaks down a bit. So it's good that we're having these conversations to get everyone on on a little bit closer of the same page with, you know, at the end of the day, it matters more what the users of the asset are doing with it. And so it's why you have your, you know, AML onboardings, why you collect information, why you ask like more information. But uh, yeah, our next step is to engage further with some of the industry participants that are interested at the moment that their main focus is on Ethereum and a lot of... Like there's actually a lot of focus on Ethereum related compliance because of all the DEX happenings. And so we want to be able to lend a hand there in the short future. Um, So work on that. And then I think perhaps next is just getting in uh, conversations where we're of use to lend lend an opinion of the, uh, you know, compliance and then privacy knowledgeable individuals um, such that, like now you no longer need to ask the opinion of like uh like a company about what they think about their coins opinion right of course they're going to say it's compliant and you know whatever else so they'll tell you whatever they want but when it comes to people that are knowledgeable knowledgeable about both the tech and also have the compliance background and are not approaching you related to a specific coin um and i do say that knowing that i'm on the monero talk podcast but like i don't receive money from monero right um, that it uh, it changes things a little bit, and I think it's more likely that I'm actually very optimistic that we'll get in some conversations pretty quickly and be able to lend a voice from uh, you know not people knowledgeable about Monero who typically like thought of Monero as like a like a super side fringe thing. Well, now it's people that are super familiar with it and can answer questions very very competently, and uh, you know continue moving things forward. Did you guys see any uh, pushback from the Monero community? I know, you know, the Monero community is very, very purist, uh, kind of, you know, oh, cypherpunk yeah. or crypto anarchist in nature. 
Uh, obviously, once again, like I said, you know, I, th I think what you guys are doing is great, and I think it's necessary, uh, especially right now at this time. But I can imagine uh, people in the community um, putting a negative spin on it and being like, you know, well, why, why are we even uh, thinking about complying? We should just be building tech that's, uh, you know, making uh, complying irrelevant. Uh, I, I, I was only labeled as a I was only labeled as a traitor at least three times that I can think of <laughs> in the top of my head. Um, Nobody knows me anymore, so it's fine. We, we're, we're good. <laughs> get back to the shadows. Just whatever that means. Of, of, uh, so the blowback was there. There was there was a. Uh... Yeah. So it's there. Certainly, are some people in the Monero community that are very, very much against uh, exchanges that are regulated, or perhaps not even just about the exchange, but they're they are very against using exchanges that are regulated. And pro in their minds, they probably would prefer for everyone to only have the option to trade on a DEX and therefore that they do so. Um, I, I understand why people want to trade on a DEX and those options will remain available and they are going to be built out. They're currently being built out in several forms on Monero. So they're coming, right? They're going to be around to a greater extent than what we have just with BISC um, for Monero at the moment. But... Like, I don't see these things as like directly in opposition like they perhaps do. I, I like with, with Monero, like if a user onboards with an exchange, it's far more like a, a relationship between the user and the exchange than it is with Bitcoin, right? With Bitcoin, sure, you have that, but there are externalities that persist. You have the histories that go on forever in either direction. So it gets messy. With Monero, you buy cryptocurrency on an exchange, you give like you justify why you want to buy it, perhaps, and then you go out and use it. And now you're not subject to mass surveillance when you're using these coins. So uh, like like with a cash example you, you referred to earlier, it's it's similar to withdrawing cash out of the ATM. So it uh, I yeah, there are people in the Monero community that say, why bother with any of these things? Uh, you know, these people are always going to try and impose additional regulation. They're always going to try and, you know, go against everything Monero stands for. Monero is very much anti any system. And I, I just personally, I, I think it gives these individuals a voice or, and participation in ways that they have not otherwise been able to participate in a system. And and I think that's good, but it, it, it shouldn't exclude people that are like... E you know, that have a bank account and like are, <laughs> that are like wishing that they have convenient ways of sending money around. Um, you know, most people at the end of the day just want convenience. So, you know, Comply First is here to help bridge the gap because ultimately, you know, the idea of everything being in Monero, that being the global reserve currency and everything else like that, and never having to touch USD, that's more of a pipe dream than a reality. And you're going to need a transition period, even if you take that assumption of that pipe dream. So it, uh, you know, it is useful to give people an option to, you know, buy in and out and do so in a convenient way. Um, you know, it's Monero is, is terrible money if it's only accessible by people who are like, you know, comfortable using DEXs and things, especially in the current form. So it, uh, yeah. There's, there's pushback. I expected pushback. Um, I was a little surprised at how many people that I like didn't expect um, to 
like the people that were less knowledgeable, like day to day, um, I, I assume they would be less caring than they perhaps are. Um, I thought they would just be happy that it would be, you know, us getting closer to putting it on exchanges. Um, and there are uh, probably most people are in that boat, but uh, there are some people that just see all uh, anything that requires your ID is like a moral and we're not going to change those minds. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, I, you, I, I think like Justin, I tend to be a pragmatist with this. I think nothing that we're doing is preventing people from using a DEX like BISC or preventing people from exchanging peer-to-peer -peer with other people Monero and staying fully within the Monero ecosystem. You know, we've never advocated that. Uh, uh, we never would never take a position that that should somehow be done away with or, or whatever. That's just ridiculous. I think that this, this effort is purely focused on regulated venues and, and helping to convince these regulated venues that, hey, it's okay to carry these privacy preserving cryptos. And I would, I would point to the example of Bitcoin. Like if Bitcoin, Bitcoin itself, you know, we can always look at Bitcoin. Maybe it's not the best example because you, you, you can see how um, it, it started with an ESO, ethos. It was so run over by speculators and all this other stuff that a lot of that was lost. But at the same time, when you see what Bitcoin is, you have to you have to look at it from the other perspective. When you see what Bitcoin is and how radical that idea is, that you have this fully decentralized, autonomous financial uh, currency, uh, this peer-to-peer -peer cash and store value and all the other things, um, it, it it's it's a fact. I think the the biggest thing that keeps it from being closed down and and shut off and and ignored and whatnot that makes it so anti-fragile is that growing size of that community, the people using it. And now we have all these institutional people using it and, and, and invested with it. And you have big names um, in that world basically saying, you know, we like Bitcoin, we like this asset. And that makes it even harder for governments to do anything against it, to really shut it down. And so when you talk about Monero, like, sure, you can take that full on uh, crypto anarchist approach and exchange it and do not touch any uh, regulated exchanges, but 90, you know, eight, seven percent, whatever of people, they're either not that technically sophisticated, they don't care about privacy that much, or the, you know, they don't care about technology that much or whatever, they're not going to take that approach. And for them, you know, there's not enough people that would take that approach that would give Monero the kind of critical mass that it needs to be really resilient to efforts against it. And so a big, our big reason about opening this up to these regular exchanges, it expands market access, it helps the price, it expands the user base. All of those things make it more resistant. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, Robbie, so, you, so you're obviously, you're an old, old school crypto guy. Have you always been, I know you mentioned uh, you got into Monero or you've been using it since 2015. Um, have you always been a, a, like a Monero guy at heart? Are you, uh, what, what's your, what's your crypto? Yeah, I've always been interested in, yeah. I mean, I've always been interested in, uh, uh, I mean, I got into cryptocurrency in like early, late 2012, early 2013 and just, um, like was an investor in the first ICO, which was, which was MasterCoin and kind of saw, in my case, I saw the nature of like adding extended functionality or just what this technology was possible of. So in that, that the, you know, that, 
that was a that was an early thing, and they were talking about doing it some really neat stuff with this in a decentralized way. And that was really cool. It was less about privacy, but it was about functionality. And so then we started, we, there were some execution issues with that. And, and I think we got frustrated enough. And I was one of the guys that started counterparty, which, you know, we talked about the decks and we had the, one of the first, I think the first decentralized bet on, on a blockchain happened with that platform. I think the 2014 Super Bowl. Um, and um, it was all very early, but now we're seeing a lot of that technology like Ethereum really came in there and, and cleaned it up and, and really started to run, show the potential of, of that. Um, but likewise, um, there was something lost in all of that. And that was a privacy. Like I'm doing exchanges and I can see everyone's balance of who's doing these decentralized exchanges or utilizing these smart contracts and, and whatnot. Um, it was a big, a big hole, a giant hole in the whole thing. And so, um, you know, like I said, there was this, there's this big kind of built up that this is normal, this perception that's been built up. And I think the next step we, we talk about is kind of saying like, we can do all this really great stuff, but now let's, now let's kind of put privacy back in where it belongs, which is front and center with this whole thing. So I think that's kind of, that's what got me interested, you know, besides being a Monero, I, I, I do own some Monero, of course, and. Uh, I've, when I first saw it in 2015, I just kept seeing it come up in Bitcoin talk. And I was like, Monero, Monero, Monero. I was like, what is this thing? I looked at it. I was like, wow, this is freaking awesome. Like this is, uh, I think what other, some other guy, Dan, Daniel Kim or something said, like, this is what people thought Bitcoin was when they bought Bitcoin. It's like, this is the optimal, the or at least the best approach we have today of like truly pure peer-to-peer cash. It's, it's really kind of Satoshi's vision. So that got me into it and really interested in it. And so um, I think combining those things together, that's, that's my interest with comply first is to really help to help to shape privacy back into the conversation um, in a way, in a way that impacts people. It touches what they do with the day they try to exchange it. It touches the assets that they, they hold and they can hold and they feel comfortable holding. It affects the businesses and what they offer. So that that's my interest. All right. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for your time. Where can people learn more about Comply First and you know continue to follow the project? Complyfirst.org. Doesn't get easier than that. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Greatly appreciated. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having us. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. Mm-hmm. Bye. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have an Alexa device, you can tell it to listen to the latest episode of the Monero Talk podcast. Go to monerotalk.live slash subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much and we look forward to being back next week.